0: The reading this morning is from Colossians. And we begin begin at verse 24 and we follow through into verse 3 of chapter 2. Paul's labour for the church. Now I rejoice in what was suffered for you, and I fill up in my flesh what is still lacking in regard to Christ's afflictions. For the sake of his body, which is the church, I have become its servant by the commission God gave me to present to you the Word of God in its fullness, the mystery that has been kept hidden for ages and generations, but is now disclosed to the saints. To them, God has chosen to make known. Among the Gentiles, the glorious riches of this mystery, which is Christ in you, the hope of glory. We proclaim him, admonishing and teaching everyone with all wisdom so that we may present everyone perfect in Christ. To this end I labor, struggling with all his energy, which so powerfully works in me. I want you to know how much I am struggling for you and for those at Laodicea and for all who have not met me personally. My purpose is that they may be encouraged in heart and united in love so that they may have the full riches of complete understanding in order that they may know the mystery of God namely Christ, in whom are hidden all the treasures of wisdom and knowledge. Amen. My Thank you so much, Olive. Hans, would you come and I'll pray with you as you come to share from God's word this morning. thank you let's pray heavenly father we thank you so much for Hans. Mm-hmm. we thank you for the evidences of your grace in his life we bless you that you have been working your purposes out through him in many different parts of the world mm-hmm. so we ask now that you might pour out your spirit upon him anoint him afresh that in these moments spent with us this morning, we may hear through him from you. Bless our brother, for Jesus' sake.
1: Amen. 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 Thank you brother. God bless you. Amen. It's a pleasure to be with you this morning. I'm just, uh, I just planned to visit my colleague George, and then the invitation to the sermon came it. Thank you for this privilege. Uh, actually, uh, Wales has been our mind for some time. We are Brazilian, like George, f- from German descent, and there's the accent that the accent comes from. Um, and in the 1950s, 1960s, there was a w- Welsh missionary in Brazil, missionary Davis, a friend of her grandfather. And the Davis always said, come someday to Wales to visit us. It took you know, some 60 years, but <laughs> here we are now. Actually, we live in South Africa. We are missionaries of the Brazilian Baptist mission, like George. And um, our daughter lives here in, in Bradford, near Leeds. So we came to have our, our vacation time with her, and used the opportunity to visit George. Uh, we are married for almost 41 years. We have four children and two grandchildren who live here. So we have a good reason to come to visit England, Great Britain, sometime. Um, I want to show you about a bit of our work. We are missionaries in South Africa, but uh, our job is to take care of other missionaries. We are the coordinators of the, what we call Region 3, from Cape Verde to Mozambique, about 54 missionaries now and in 14 countries. So what's our job? I learned in a book that you perhaps have known, that uh, is called, uh, in Portuguese it's uh, the monk and the executive. And I learned what, what is an, what's a servant leader A servant leader is somebody who does everything for his colleagues, Um, cold, fresh water, and uh, a coffee machine, and uh, the chair with wheels, and so on. And then I can uh, pressure them to do their work. So this is my job, (laughs) to help the missionaries that they can do a good job, and then I go and check. So most of the work is done at home, internet, uh, computer, emails, WhatsApp. But twice a year, um, i make a round trip to visit these missionaries at their places and see how the projects are doing, how the families are doing. We stay at each family three, four days in the house, sleep on the ground if it's necessary, but we want to be in the family to feel its pulse and see what's going on. I want to show you pictures of one of these trips so that you have an idea how it looks like like in Africa, but um, showing also some different trends in missiology, in mission strategies. Before before that, um, I made myself the question, what does a missionary While I was preparing this sequence, and the angel came to me that a missionary is somebody who shares a treasure. Therefore, the title to this scriptural part we read or followed Um, missionaries share a treasure. There's a treasure to be shared. And um, I have the full text again. It's so so small for you to see, but a few words are standing out there. You see, uh, rejoice in suffering, and then mystery, riches, mystery strenuously contended, contending again and then riches and treasure. So a few words stand out to show what what is this treasure. I remember that uh, Jesus told a a few parables. Uh, The first one is about um, a man who was working a field. It was not his field. It was rented. He had to give part of the harvest to the owner of the land. And then he found, uh, well, you can imagine a plow, uh, one one blade plow, and it it stuck in some, uh, put be a root or a stone, but he... uh, Opened the place, it was a box set, a treasure, something with a treasure in it. So he, oh, can you can imagine coins, gold coins, or or jewels. And he closed it again, and then he ran home and he sold everything he had to buy this field and have this treasure. And then Jesus also told the story of a man who um, sold uh, bought and sold uh, pearls, and then he, someday he found a very precious pearl. He Sold everything he had to buy this pearl. Here's a picture found on the internet. Uh, what's a pearl? It's a, uh, just a, a very a small a sand cor- corn that comes into an oyster, and the oyster protects itself, which hurts, and so it protects it with, with a liquid, a cream that it puts around this pearl, and it grows and grows, and you have small, big pearls, but never a big one. It's a handful of sand that somebody put into the, into the oyster. You see, it's 26 inches long and 12 inches wide and 75 pounds heavy, 100 million dollars worth, and the guy didn't know it had its treasure in his home. So just an idea what would be to, have a, to find a really precious pearl and to, to sell everything to buy it. And the first story, Jesus, this is not in the Gospels, at least not, not in the four recognized Gospels. This is in the Gospel of Thomas, uh, an apocryphal gospel, but the story can be true. It, they, this gospel says that Jesus, uh, that uh, somebody was throwing a net and fishing, and they caught lots of small fish, and then he sees the big fish coming along, and then he lets, lets go all the small fish and gets the big fish, bring it home. So this idea of hunting for a treasure, and the text we read explains us, explains us what is this treasure. In 2 verse 2 we see that um, in him are hidden all the treasures of wisdom and knowledge. And in 27, especially, I was chosen to make known among the Gentiles the glorious riches of this mystery, which is Christ in you, the hope of glory. Christ is the treasure we have to share. He is in us, and he, he is in us as the hope, or the, I would say the certainty, the assurance that we will be sharing his glory forever. This letter was written... To counter a few um, heresies or several heresies that one, well, was, were going around um, the, uh, Asia province where Paul was uh, at the time, and if you read the whole letter, small just four chapters, you will see several of these heresies. One of the heresies um, is, is ceremonialism. For you to understand what this is, I I remember it when I was a small when when we were recently married our children small, I thought we have to uh, what we, I don't know how we say in English. Uh, Go to domestical uh, home service for the children, um, have a devotional every, da- every day, uh, read the Bible with them, sing a, home, a hymn, uh, make a prayer. So I, I try to remember how my dad did with us when I was small, and I remember that he used to read the Bible at the coffee table in the m- breakfast table in the morning. So I started to do the same with my children, and I saw that soon they behaved as I used to behave at, when I was a child. I slept. So there is no way, ceremonialism is that you try to repeat what your ancestors did. And there is no use in just repeating what they did. You have to find your own way. So we started to do it at the afternoon. And at the end of the day, when they were coming home from whatever they were doing, the children, I found a nice book with um, 150 uh, sort of lessons or directions, uh, a prayer, an issue, uh, a text, Bible text, and so on. And we started to have our time with the children in a different way, and it worked. Nobody slept while we had this devotion at time. So, ceremonialism is that you follow a routine and think it will be good enough. It is not good enough. The the fellowship with Christ is what is important, not the routine. Another another heresy at the time was what we call ascetism. You have seen, at least in movies, these monks hurting themselves with with robes and chains and so on, and and full of blood in their backs later. And in verse 20 of of chapter 2, Paul says, um, you died with Christ to the basic principles of this world. Why do you um, still submit to to its rules? Do do not handle, do not taste, do not touch. Um, Such regulations indeed have an appearance of wisdom. But they lack any value in restraining sensual indulgence. Just follow rules doesn't help you. You can have lots of good intentions, but it doesn't help you. Um, Just a small and and very personal example. I was for some time um, addicted to the solitaire game on my cell phone or the iPad. But I really was a lot on it. And you all know how it is. I see my grandchildren all the time. (laughs) And my daughter all so it was, um, it was really an addiction for me, and uh, there are no good intentions, no New Year's goals and purposes to change your, your addictions. You need some help from above. And so I, I prayed that the Lord would take from me the pleasure in doing it. And it's really amazing to see how it works, because suddenly I forgot about it. It was not there anymore. And I deleted it from my computer, never more so. This is just a suggestion, that idea that the rules won't help you. Christ in you will help you. So this is the treasure we have to share. And it's not just for missionaries. It's for everybody, of us, all of us. We have a treasure in us that is Jesus Christ, the this, this certainty, the assurance that we will be part of his eternal glory. And this is the treasure we can share, a personal fellowship that, uh, of somebody who lives in us and who helps us in our daily life. Okay. There is more on it, and this is a second treasure, um, I saw it in verse two of the chap- of chapter two. The riches are there again, and it speaks of being uh, united in love, so that we may ha- have the full riches of complete understanding, in order that you may know the mystery of God, namely Christ. And this this idea of being united is a treasure. The idea idea of a family. The idea in, in so the old version of the Bible says uh, you are we are knitted together. We are interwoven like a tapestry. Imagine this huge, beautiful tapestry. The woman is there. Each thread by itself is useless. It may have some colors in it, but you don't have any idea what for. But if you put it together, you see the pattern. And this is fantastic. The idea is also of being in the same boat. My daughter helped me to get this picture, so <laughs> if you have grandchildren, you know what I'm speaking about. But the idea of the being in the same boat. Everybody who is in the same boat, it goes in the same direction. What we would say nowadays, in the same plane. When I took a plane from Africa to come here, everybody in the same plane was going to the same place. So that's the idea, that we have the same goal, the same purpose, we are together in this boat. And if the boat is sinking, there's no use for you to say, it's not my boat. You are in it, <laughs> so you are part of it. And this is a privilege, actually. This is also a blessing, it's richness. I like this saying where it says that shared joys are double joys, because two people rejoice. And shared grief is half-grief, because other person helps, helps you to carry what you are grieving of. So um, think about it. Share your joys with your family members here. Share your grief with your family members. I'm here for a month of vacation. I could have uh, stay at my daughter's house in Bradford and watch TV all the whole day and, and, and uh, play cards or uh, whatever, read books. But I thought, let I visit my friend George. I like to go around and visit people, to stay with them. Last weekend we were in Liverpool with a family we know from Brazil. And um, it was nice to be with them. So um, the idea of going out of your comfort zone of your house and visit other people, uh, to have this pleasure of family and make it grow, make it give fruit. And then there's a third treasure in this text, and this um, Actually, in verse 29, this, uh, it's by back down there, I generally content, but it's not my energy. And this is a relief. We think of a Chris, being a Christian as an obligation, to live as a Christian as ob- an obligation. And it's, it's not uh, actually possible for us to live by our own strengths. I put you another picture. You can gather all your emotions, <laughs> all your inner strengths, and it will not happen because it's spiritual, it's not physical. You cannot just um, try to do it yourself. Uh, Paul f- uh, speaks in, in verse 24 that he fills in his flesh what is still lacking in regard to Christ's afflictions for the sake of his body, which is the church, but it's not his energy. There is an important question in w- verse 24. It's a theological question. It's important that you know the right answer. It says that, he, Paul says that he is, um, completing what's lacking in Christ's afflictions. And then you have to question yourself, didn't Christ suffer enough on the cross? What he did on the cross was not enough? What's the right answer? You cannot cannot be wrong on this. What Christ did on the cross is enough for our forgiveness of sins. There is nothing we can do to help him to forgive our sins. But after we have the forgiveness... There's a lot of things to do. What does he do? Proclaim, admonish, teach the mystery. He contends strenuously. And the word word in Greek is agona, where the word agony comes from. The version that was read was a bit different than the text we had on the screen. It speaks of of labor. So it's really hard. It's suffering. But it's not my energy. It's his strength in me. And this is a treasure we can share also. You don't have to do it yourself. Ask for help. Jesus is there to help you in everything you need. And this idea that after my sins are forgiven, I am free to do lots of things for the body of Christ, for the church to grow. And it is again, not for just for missionaries. Any one of us can help the church grow. Just investing in the second treasure we spoke of the, about the church, the church as a treasure, a family. This is uh, something we can uh, give away to others. And then um, verse 24, it says, I can rejoice because it's not my energy. This makes us very humble, because it's not us doing it. But it's also a privilege. You you can sit in the first row, watching the game, seeing what he is doing. An example comes from the Bible. In Pentecost, uh, at Pentecost, um, Peter spoke, and 3,000 people converted. And you think, wow, 3,000 people converted. But then, if you read essentially, you see that there were about 20 different ethnic groups present, and each one heard in his own language. So the miracle was not in Peter's tongue. The miracle was in people's ears. It was not his doing, it was the Holy Spirit's doing. So what can we do? We can pray that what we say may be a blessing to other people. In Liverpool last week, this family we visited, The old uh, old grandma uh, immediately said that she remembers something I said when we met some 15 years ago the last time, and she had just divorced. And I said something that was helpful to her. I don't remember. It's not important that I remember. It's important what the Holy Spirit did to her heart. So when we say something, we can pray. When we meet somebody, we can pray that God may use our words and our attitude, our being, to be a blessing to other people. So there are three treasures. Again, the picture of the emotions there. And then um, treasure hunt. What are the three treasures? First, give everything in exchange of this treasure, Christ. If you don't have Christ as a treasure in your heart, it's worth to sell everything, to give everything in exchange of this treasure. And second, invest in the riches that are in God's family, in the richness that is God's family. And third, draw from his strength in his service. Amen? May God bless the church. May God bless every one of you in, um, in your personal life. And now uh, uh, join me in my trip across six countries in Africa and see what's changing in missions strategy. Uh, first, a picture from where we live in Cape Town. Family came to visit us at the end of the year. So we are, Ursula and I am on the left side, and then my son Samuel, two meters tall, and then the daughter and grandson and the two grandchildren. One son was not there. Two sons were not there, so uh, this is the most important visiting point, tourist point in South Africa, the Cape of Good Hope. And then um, we traveled six countries, uh, starting from the tip of Africa where we live, Cape Town, and then Maputo in Mozambique, and Luanda in Angola, and then São Tomé, two small islands in the Guinea belt, and then Accra in Ghana, and then Dugu in Burkina Faso, and we finished in Conakry in Guinea. So three countries that speak Portuguese. One country English and two countries French. I don't know much French, but Google helps me when I have to write emails. <laughs> and even WhatsApp now, you have the, the, the help, the translator help in here. So, what happened in Mozambique and Angola? These are two Portuguese speaking countries, and we have done missions there for many years. So, we went there to ask what else can we do? And this is a, a change in strategy because there are questions you have to make as missionaries. Uh, What things can we still do, what things not? They don't need evangelists anymore. They don't need um, social workers anymore. There are many many Christians in the country, many churches. They're doing missions themselves already. What they need is theological training. So we had this conference in Mozambique. They want a bachelor in theology. They just have Bible institutes. This was the first meeting. And then Luanda, you can see Angola, better room, better tables, everybody with notebooks and cell phones. They have already bachelor degrees. They want the master's in theology. So we... Help them with teachers to get these three, two goals. And then, third, São Tomé. It's a small island, tropical island, the equator. If you want a nice beach, you go to São Tomé. And um, these fisher boats. It's a poor country. They f- found oil there, but it's not coming out yet of the, the sea. So uh, there are not many uh, uh, toys to, to buy. And there's no money to buy the toys. So you have to make the toys yourself. Look, there. He has a nice truck, but it has a wheel. He can drive it. Clever guy, clever boy. And then uh, the church. This is a traditional Baptist church, you know. what happened here? Um, two years ago, my director asked me to go to Saint Tomé to transfer the two missionaries that were there to other countries. Um, he asked how many people live in Saint Tomé, 100,000 people, the whole country. This is like Newport and a bit more. And uh, how many people live in China? One, half, one and a half billion. So where should we send missionaries, to Saint Tomé or to China? So I went to São Tomé to transfer these two families. One family went to East Timor, the other went to Indonesia. And there are three local pastors. And they asked me, that, what now? We are without missionaries. What will we do without the missionaries? Then I asked them, well, I didn't first know what to say, but then I asked them, how long have you had missionaries? And they said, well, it has been 18 years. Then I remember that the day I had my 18th birthday, my father gave me as a present a newspaper, open at the jobs page. <laughs> <laughs> Get yourself a job. Do something. <laughs> so I told them, 18 years is enough for yourself, take care of yourself and now you, have, you see the result without the missionaries they are doing well, after two years I went there to check, they are doing well the second church, this was first Baptist church as I said, traditional church in Luanda in, in St. Tomé, the second church is not so well uh, equipped, It's a nice building but uh, they have a small building, it's not, not space for them, they are under the banana trees but also growing we invest only in this country in what we call a pre- is we have a preschool program at our missions board. We have about 650 units uh, reaching out to, I would say, about 30,000 children. Now, 15,000 children in 30 countries, something like that. It, this is a very, very uh, strategic tool to reach out to the whole family because we have to, the children from four to six in the preschool program. They learn what you have in your prayer school, and the Bible comes with it. And then you can see children going home and praying before meals, and Pater asks, What are you doing? Now I learned that everything comes from God. I want everything I want to thank Him. And in Africa, you see many children with a, a collar of beads around, around the waist or around the neck. It's for protection of, by, the, Holy, by the, the, the spirits. And that, then the children come home and rip it off and give it Mother. Mother, I don't need it anymore. Jesus protects me. And then the gospel comes into the into houses. So this is very important. We invest in this program in St. Tomé. Uh, the churches are on their own now. So this is a second step in strategy that you have to some, sometimes close a country for missions and send missionaries to other places. And then third, we went to Ghana. And this is a third aspect. At our missions board, we, we try to focus on unreached people groups. There are about 4,300 uh, people, people groups in the, in the world who have never heard of Jesus or almost nothing, perhaps a small group here and there, but they have no strength to reach the rest of their people, group. So we are sending now couples to, to places, this is North Ghana, to start, new, um, start a church in a group that has nothing. How do you do that? How do you start afresh? Well, um, here, they saw that near their house, they rented the a house, near the house was a, a well, and the girls came to, Catch water at the well. And um, well, they learned English in South Africa. The couple are Brazilians, Portuguese, so they learned English in South Africa. And then the, the woman, the lady, started to try their English, her English with the girls. Good morning, how are you? Speaking English with them. And the girls became interested. And she invited them to, into the garden and then started to sing with them and teach them, tell them stories from, from the Bible. Well, um, Moses and David and, and Old Testament stories, Abraham. And then the, the, the director of the Islamic school at the end of the street heard of it and called her, what are you doing with our children? And then she said, no, I'm telling them stories. You know the stories, they are in your book. Abraham, Joseph, they're all there, just telling them these stories. Then he said, why don't you tell these stories to the whole, the whole school? And now she has once a week, a, a whole hour, in the Islamic school, to tell them stories of the Bible. Hmm? And then uh, uh, Easter time came, now, four, six, five months ago. And then she asked the director, can I tell the story of Jesus, Easter time? Can I tell the story of Jesus? Tell the story of... The-? And then he said, well, this is uh, said as a Christian country, Ghana, and, but we know, nothing, we know nothing about Jesus. Please, <laughs> tell us about Jesus. And he, she told the story of Jesus for 1,000 children. <laughs> insinuating it, she called the children, you are police, guards, you are shepherds, you are angels, and so on. At the moment, you see she has puppets in her hands. And then she told the story of Jesus for the whole school, 1,000 children. So, The Lord opened the door to start a new, a new church in a place that was unreached. So this is a very important step. If you think that Jesus said that when the gospel is preached to all ethnic groups, all nations, then he can come back. This is what has to happen for he to be able to come back. And then we drove by car until Burkina Faso. It's 1,000 kilometers north of Ghana. You see, this is public transport. <laughs> it, everything is on it. You can <laughs> see it. It's very polyvalent. And uh, it's a very colorful country, full of fruits and everything you can imagine. Very nice. Not a bad place to live. And then, full of mosques, of course. So, this is our goal to reach to unre- these unreached people groups. From there, we drove to Burkina Faso, a French speaking country. There, we have a couple um, trans- translated the Bible to um, people of about 300,000 people that has no, no grammar and no word of God. I'm, I spoke in a small group that already exists there, and the, my friend, my colleague, had to translate into French. And the local pastor translates into local language, Marca, So, right? Pa, 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 pa. Long service. Nobody has a watch, doesn't matter. <laughs> you go until it's finished. And then, of course, music. <laughs> A traditional Baptist church. <laughs> okay, this is a family. Both are Bible translators, both have a degree in, in, in how do you say, um, linguistics. And there is an, a nutritionist that has a clinic there for nutrition of the small children. And the last trip is Guinea. Here you have what I told about hardship. Paul speaks about struggles and uh, suffering. It is part of. Some yeah this is a national route you see it's an M1 Can't say that. <laughs> I and the car comes from from the front you have to divert and <laughs> remember the truck on the right side
0: <laughs>
1: you have to have a, have a sense of oh, humor yeah. otherwise it doesn't work <laughs> The invitation letter to Guinea was written by the mayor of the city. Look how tall he is. Muslim country, 94%, 96% Muslims. And he invited me to his office, and he said, well, my daughter is in your preschool. She speaks better French than my niece in the fourth grade, fourth year. I want you to open a school here. A Christian school, no, no problem, but a quality school. And now I'm visiting churches asking for teachers. And this is the last strategy. It's uh, important nowadays to know, for you to know. These countries, you cannot come as a missionary. Missionaries are not welcome. But the, uh, professionals are always welcome. So nowadays, these 4,300 unreached people groups, you reach them via professionals or businessmen, not missionaries. Missionaries in, in brackets are not welcome. And I'm still didn't find my teacher to open the school for this mayor. There is also a small Baptist church, no music. They behave like before, when they were Muslim, no drums. They sit on the, on the floor. I need a wall to have a something better, <laughs> for my back, but they sit in a, two, for two hours in the street and study the Bible, you see? No music, traditional Baptist church. Um, and uh, no Baptist theological, theological seminary, so we gave them a Bible course for leaders, and here was the first graduation. I was very amazed for the, by the testimonies they gave us. Uh, this, uh, this Momo uh, worker, he said that what impressed him more in this course was that he discovered that Christianity was not invented by Americans. The Muslims tell them that Americans invented Christianity, and he discovered that when Christ was on this earth, America didn't exist. (laughs) Europe was a forest. (laughs) He was so happy to discover what Christianity is about. And then we flew back, of course, straight to Ethiopia, sometimes you have to make diversions in Africa. Finishing, what can you do? What can we do? First, do something. Go, use your gifts, look for the needs around you, choose one of the projects of the church. There are many options here in in Riska. Volunteer for a short term trip. Do something. Use your gifts. That's the idea. Of course, I would say first, enjoy for, of what, is, for what has been de- done around the world. God is at work. Enjoy. And then do something. Mobilize others. Contagiate others. If you are already with a plan, with something in your mind. And third, um, pray. I put there um, enlist in God's Air Force. We lived in Angola for many years, and the first time we arrived there was 1990. Angola was in a civil war, and every morning, three or four uh, MiG planes, jets, flew from our city to the villages to throw bombs on the guerrillas. And I asked myself, what does uh, the Air Force? Air Force doesn't conquer territory. Infantry conquers territory, but Air Force. And then it came to me that Air Force, it, it weakens the enemy so that the infantry can advance. So that I see that the church, I understand that the church is God's air force. Because you pray, you weaken the enemy, and the infantry, the missionaries can go forward. So do, do your job as an air force in God's uh, program. And uh, lastly, contribute, invest in, in God's kingdom the riches He gave you monthly, predetermined, strategic, as the right audience needs uh, you. Thinking of, there are many verses in the Bible. And, you know, in the church where I'm a member in South Africa, I'm the treasurer, so i like to speak about finances. I won't do it now because otherwise we won't finish so, so soon. But uh, several verses come to my mind. One, Jesus says that where your uh, treasure is, you will put your heart. I asked for a license to invert the verse. Where your heart is, you will put your treasure. So check where your money is going to be sure where your heart is. And then Paul says, quoting Jesus in Acts chapter 20, that um, blessed are those, um, more blessed are those who give than those who receive. The idea is that more blessed are those who have the habit of giving than those who think only about receiving. And it's obvious. Those who think about receiving are are unhappy, are sad people. But those who have the habit of giving are happy people. So uh, contribute with your money. Our email address is there Ursula and Hans. Words for E Hans at universeonline.com.br if you want to write us and uh, have more information. And these four steps: five, rejoice in what God is doing; go, do something; mobilize others; contagiate others; pray in the efforts of God, and contribute. Pastor, I was not really British this time. I overstepped.